Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Give yourselves a hand clap for being amazing. Hey, you. Hey, you come here. Pink top. Uh, thank you, Lance. Appreciate it. Happy Mother's Day, babe. Thank you for leading us in worship. Let's give her a clap. Here you go, sweetie. Well, these are for you. <laughs> They're really pretty. You did good. Thank you. Wow. I don't do this often, first so. Time. Yes, good. yes. One of my first. Right. Yes. But this is the best. First. Well, these are yours. Take Thank them. You. I'm, I'm trembling up here. I'm ready to preach. All right. No, no, no. Don't go anywhere. Oh, I still got some words for you. Um, I just, I want to, okay. okay, let's do this. I, I just want to tell you thank you for everything. I mean, you, uh, you've, you've meant so much to me, um, you know, since the day we met. Um, and you do so much for our family, uh, for the church. Uh, I mean, literally, she makes 85% of our income, um, she enables me to fulfill my calling as the pastor of the church. Uh, but beyond that, you are a phenomenal mother, um, uh, the greatest woman I know on this earth. You are uh, just multi-gifted and talented, and the devil hates it. Every morning you get up and put those feet on the ground. And I praise God for you, and I'm thankful for you. And uh, I guarantee you that 80% is going to turn around here soon. All right, church? All right. Give me a kiss. Love you. Love you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I just want to, let's give it up for Diana, her amazing word, spoken word. I just want to take a few minutes to pray for all mothers. Let's bow our heads. And, and if there is a mother near you or um, someone who has had a child in the past, maybe uh, ended in tragedy, uh, extend your hand toward her, put your hand on her, and let's just pray. Father, we, we give you all the glory and all the praise for mothers and uh, stepmothers and just women in this room. Uh, Lord, we... We ask that you would uh, continue to go before them. Father, we pray for your uh, favor over their lives, God, and your goodness, Lord. God, we pray for your provision. And Lord, we know that you have many promises um, that you've spoken over mothers, God, and I pray that you would be faithful to fulfill all of those promises, God. I pray that mothers uh, would have the heart to draw near and towards you, this morning, I pray, God, that uh, they would know that they are loved, that they have been chosen even before the world began. They were chosen in Christ. And, uh, Lord, I pray that they would know that they have a mighty calling, a great calling. And uh, as long as that they are faithful, God, you're going to always show forth in their lives. We you for our mothers. We praise you for uh, every woman that has had... Um, a say-so and uh, involvement in our lives, God. We lift them up to you, and uh, we pray that even today, mothers all across this world are transformed uh, 
by your glorious presence, your grace, and your love. It's in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. 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 All right, so welcome to Highlight Church. We're going to dive into our chosen series. Um, we're in the book of Ephesians for a few weeks. I won't tell you how long because I want you to show up each Sunday. And uh, we started our series in Ephesians entitled Chosen. Uh, it was week number one. Hey, but let's take about 17 seconds to greet someone near you. This is the awkward moment for all the introverts in the room. But go ahead and stand up and give a high five or a hug and let yourself. Praise God. Man, it's beautiful outside for Mother's Day. I think tomorrow's going to be even better, and then Tuesday through Friday, it's going to be like in the 90s. Hey, I'm, I'm kind of in a relaxed mode this morning, so I'm, I'm in a teaching gear. going to be moments where I get loud and all that stuff, but just stick with me here. I think God is going to uh, bless us this morning. Let's join me in Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, we discussed last week how Ephesians is a letter uh, written to the church. Uh, it was meant to be a circulating letter. Stopped in the city of Ephesus. Um, it was written by Paul the Apostle. Uh, if you need more context, check our podcast out for week number one. And I let you know all about who Paul is and how his conversion was similar to, say, if Osama bin Laden had been turned into Joel Osteen. That's how, uh, that's how extreme his conversion was. We don't have time to dive into that today. Uh, we got to continue in this lane here. Uh, we're going to be covering Ephesians 1, verses 9 through 14. But before we get to verse 9, the verse of this series, verse 4. Someone say it with me. Ephesians 1, 4, it should pop up on the screen, and it says this. Let's go. Here I go. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Let's repeat again, and then we're going to celebrate that because I think religion has separated so many people from God. But I think this one verse, you don't even have to read the rest of the Bible to know that God loves you. This does it all. So let's do it again together, and then we're going to clap about that because we know that we've been chosen in Christ. Let's read it. Here we go. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Let's celebrate that. <laughs> Woo! Well, it was good. Uh, let's pray and let's go home. No, we're going we're gonna to dive in. Um, I want to bring a message to you entitled, Who You're With is What You Get. It should pop up on the screen for you. Who you're 
is what you get. Don't worry about the grammar. That's good preaching. I'm not worrying about the grammar. Okay, this is an English class. Who you're with is what you get. Here it is, uh, Ephesians 1, verse 9, and it says this, God has revealed to us his mysterious plan according, uh, regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. At the right time, God is going to bring everything together under the authority of Christ. And it says it here, everything in heaven and everything on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, someone say united with Christ. Christ. Mm -hmm. We have received an inheritance from God. You have an inheritance from God. Um, there's, There's doctrine in the church that clarifies that when you're in Christ or when you've given your heart to Jesus, you are saved, but you're also simultaneously being saved. So you are saved but you haven't received your full inheritance. And we're going to talk about this down payment, this deposit, uh, a bit later on this morning here. And he goes on to say this, for he chose us in advance. There it is again. That's why our our, uh, series is entitled Chosen. You see this theme throughout Ephesians. He chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God is always making things work out according to his plan, not ours. Okay, verse 12, God's purpose was that we Jews, this is Paul, who was a Jewish man, were the first to trust in Christ and that we would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles, non-Jews, heathens is what the Bible says, have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. Some of you are so filled with the Holy Spirit, but you haven't been tapping, tapping into him. So you don't even know the power that's available to your life. We're going to discuss that here today. And it says here, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he has promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. And he did this so we would praise and glorify me, him, 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 him. You know, and a dark, a doctor's name was Dr. Batchelor. Um, he's an interventional cardiologist. And uh, I, I was pre-medicine, and uh, I shadowed him my third and fourth year uh, during my undergrad uh, uh, tenure. They call it not tenure, but my undergrad years. And... Um, so I came in, and I, my first day, he, he tells the secretary, he says, hey, give Joshua a coat. And I didn't get the, the medical student coat. You know, their coats are shorter. They go to the hospital, and they do their clinics and all this stuff, their clinicals. I actually got the long coat, got the long coat. They even went as far as embroidering my name in, in the coat and all this. and put Dr. Joshua, but it said Joshua Red. And I just felt special. And uh, he allowed me to talk to the patients about their blood pressure and their sugar and their heart rates and all this stuff. I had no idea what I was talking about. And, uh, and, and, and so he also let me see a few uh, amazing surgeries where he, he put stents and balloons into people's vessels because of the occlusion and the blood can't get through. And he saved lives and all this stuff. It was amazing. It was amazing. 
One day, I was able to have lunch with him in his office. So I go into his office. I mean, this is an interventional cardiologist, makes half a million to $800,000 a year. I'm in here. He has this big old oak, wood oak desk and, and all the medical books and just everything. And he's just sitting there like a boss eating Olive Garden. And I'm over there in the corner, you know, sitting down in, in, in my leather chair eating my Olive Garden. And, and it was just an amazing experience. Everywhere he went, I went. I was a shadow. I was connected. I was associated with him. And uh, I served so well. I shadowed so well that he was willing to write my letter of recommendation along with another doctor I had shadowed, another uh, surgeon, as well as my pre-med advisor in school. It was going to be with their recommendation. My GPA, which was at the time about a 3.8, 3.9. My MCATs were okay, but my GPA, my recommendations, a solid MCAT would have gotten me into medical school. Um, I was going to go somewhere. I was, I was heading to med school. I, I was on my way to being a doctor. I wanted to be an oncological um, surgeon. I wanted to take out cancers. I also wanted to go all across the world with Samaritan's Purse and take out cancers. I figured out it would be some kind of Superman if I did it for Jesus. This calling. He called me to pastoring. What I want to say is, is this. I had come to find out that my associations and how I identify myself with them had everything to do with my progression and my destination. My associations and how I identified myself with them had everything to do with my progression and my destination. They say, show me your friends, your future. Show me your leader. This is what I And I'll show you where you're being led to. Who's leading you? Who's leading you? What philosophies are leading you? What authors are leading you? What spiritual counselors are leading you? Show me your leaders. Show me your influences. And I'll show you your destination. Ephesians 1, 9 through 14. And I think we're going to be able to step out and apply to our lives think we're going to be able to apply to our lives. Who you're with is what you get. Who you're with, don't mind my microphone, just stick with me, is what you get. Point number one, I want to say this. In order to get over, you have to live under. In order to get over, you have to live under. If we would go back to verse 11, Ephesians 1, verse 11, go back to the main. It says here, furthermore, because we are united with Christ, received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work according to his plan. If you back up at verse 10, it says, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything under the authority of Christ want to let it be known. Do I need to switch to a court mic? I'm good. I uh, just want to let it be known here. <clears throat> Everything right now, currently, as it stands in our present time, present existence, is not under the authority of Jesus. Everything isn't under the authority of Christ. 
we haven't received that inheritance, that full salvation in its entirety. Go with me to Revelations 21, 3 through 4, and it says this. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among us. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no, no more death or sorrow or pain or crying. All things are gone forever. All things are gone forever. All things are the present things that we deal with. The things that he said are going to be gone are all things that we are presently dealing with. That lets us know, because Revelations 21 tells us that when Christ reigns, when God makes his home amongst us, there's going to be no pain, no struggle, no tears, no debt, no, no, no withdrawal, no, no addiction, no, no worry, no, none of this stuff. When Jesus reigns, this is how good God is. God actually wants everything in your life to be perfect. But because we live in a fallen world, we are saved, but we are still being saved. Everything is not under the authority of Christ. Not quite yet. Not quite yet. So it is not God's desire, though, for you to be in a constant state of struggle. It's not God's desire for you to be consistently and constantly discouraged. It's not God's desire for you to go back to your vices, to go back to the things that don't fulfill. It's not God's desire for you to be in shackles. It's not God's desire for you to be lonely. And this is why Jesus established his church. This is where you're supposed to find true community. So the question now becomes this. If being under the authority of Christ represents in this present time a minimalization of struggle and tension and discouragement. If being under the authority of Christ, the power, the word authority in the scripture in the Greek is ownership. If it, if it, if it means minimizing our struggle our pain, our confusion. Why wait? Why, 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 you know, stand on a Sunday and raise your hand and give your heart to Christ? And then you're my savior. You know, because there, there, there are two departments here, or compartments, I'm sorry, of following Jesus. There's the fact that he's your savior, and then there's the fact that he's also Lord. He's Lord. This, this means that when he's the Lord of your life, you've placed yourself under his authority. And authority sounds like a hard word for the millennial generation and even some of the baby boomers. And it sounds like a hard word. But if you understand the essence and the nature of Christ's authority, it's, a, it's, a, it's an authority that's designed to be favorable towards you. This is not an iron fist authority. I give my life to Jesus. I can never do anything fun again. And this is the thing about uh, Christians, especially in America. We're so good at raising that hand on Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, God can forget it. And we, we wonder why the struggle, the tension, the pain 
is at an all-time high. And we have to rush back to Sunday services to get that peace because Sunday is the only day that you've put yourself under his authority. If Revelations 21, we can clap for that. Come on, Mama Coleman. I say I'm, I'm teaching today. So if Revelations 21 says that this is going to be the permanent situation, why not? Why wait? Why wait? You know, I have um, two boys in my house. I praise God for a faithful spouse who uh, submits to me in such a way. We're going to be talking about that. Uh, wives and, and children and husbands in a few weeks. We're going to be on stage doing a Q&A. And uh, Paul actually encourages wives to submit to your husbands in, in all things. And for the husband to love your wife as Christ loves the church, which means that God, and, and the Bible in Corinthians says that God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of every man. Every man is the head of woman. So if I'm submitted under Christ and we see the nature of his, his government and she's submitted under me, my children must also be submitted under me. Ephesians also tells us, we're going to talk about this, for men, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. So when I am the man in my house, I understand I have authority. I have to understand that I have the authority to guide, to protect to support, to instruct. And if my children so choose to stay under my authority, not only do they have to receive my instruction, my guidance, but they also have the chance to receive my blessing. Now, I don't know about y'all, but it's been raining a lot in Maryland. And... Uh, a brother don't be trying to get wet. <laughs> See, y'all got to work with me. It ain't going to always be perfect grammar. It preach good. A brother ain't trying to get wet. And uh, it was raining the other day. This is just common knowledge. You all know it. You can have an umbrella this huge and still get wet. Your feet, your ankles, you're going to come in the house wet a little bit. But you're not going to be as wet as the person that's stuck out in the, in the storm. You receive the blessing of dryness. Why wait? Why teeter-totter on a Monday, on a Tuesday? Why wait? Because when I'm under his authority, I'm under his blessing. When I'm under the authority of Jesus, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. This is only for people who's under him. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Paul talks about later, I'm so tempted to just teach the entire book. He talks about later in the book of Ephesians how The prince of the power of the air operates in the children of disobedience. You know who the prince of the power of the air is? That's Satan. 
And what he's saying is, is that for people that don't submit or come under the lordship of Christ, there's no covering, there's no protection, there's no limit to the access that Satan has in our lives when we're not under Christ. There's no limit to the access that the enemy has to our marriages, to our children, to our finances, to our health when we're not under Christ. There's no limit. There's no limit. But if you get under Christ, he says this, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. When I submit my life, my thoughts, my relationships to the authority of Jesus, I can expect to experience the fullness of Christ in all these things. I must first submit to the authority of Jesus before I submit to the authority of my supervisor. I must first submit to the authority of Christ before I submit to the authority of my emotions. I must first submit to the authority of Jesus before I submit to the authority of my vices. I must first submit to the authority of Jesus before I can even think about submitting to the authority of my pastor. I must first submit to Jesus before I submit to my husband. I must first submit to Jesus before I can love my wife correctly. First, you got to ask yourself, do I want the blessing or not? Point number two says this. Well, let's go here. Ephesians 1, 12 through 13 says this. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And it says this, and now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. Point number two is this. God is not ashamed of you. God is not ashamed of you. You know, Ephesus um, was the city in Rome, second largest city in, in the Roman province. The city of Ephesus was the guardian of the temple of Artemis, um, a Greek goddess named Artemis, who later became uh, the Roman goddess Diana. <laughs> we have a Diana in our church. She actually blessed our mothers. Should have probably thought about that before she blessed our mothers. But um, Artemis, um, she, uh, she had, um, they believed that she had the power uh, to enable women to become fertile. They also believed that she had the power of death and disease over girls and young women. So oftentimes people would worship Artemis by sacrificing uh, uh, their, their, their goats and, and clothing and all of their resources to Artemis because they believe that through her power, she was able to bring forth life into the city. If you can control uh, if women are fertile or not, you can have kids. Um, or or if, if you're having a problem getting pregnant, it's because we need to go to the temple and worship Artemis. So in a sense, she was a resource. Or she, she was what they thought the source. I'm sorry. She was the source of life is what the people of Ephesus believed. It's, it's funny because in Acts 19, Paul goes to Ephesus and he preaches about Jesus. And the Bible says that all sorts, all kinds of people are being saved. Soothsayers, witches, worshipers of Artemis are being saved. 
And then you have uh, Alexander, the coppersmith, who gets upset because he's like a millionaire. He makes little idols of Artemis that people go to his shop, they buy, they take home, and they worship her at home. And he starts a riot. He says, this man, Paul, has come to the city preaching about Jesus. We need to do something about him and his friends. What is he saying? He's saying that he's attacking, Paul is attacking our source of life. Paul is attacking our money. Paul is attacking our business. And we have more people than ever today believing in Christ than they do Artemis. So they start a riot. And Paul is hidden. Two of Paul's friends are taken to the main Colosseum. They're about to stone them to death. The authorities of Ephesus get involved, and they say, no, these guys aren't breaking any laws. Leave them alone. So Paul goes on to say here in verse 13, he says, you Gentiles. He's writing back to the church of Ephesus, and he's reminding them that you Gentiles once lived in a way in which you did not know God, and you didn't want to know God, and your focus was not on God. Your focus was on something else, a thing of this world. The Bible even said that Artemis was a fallen angel from heaven. We understand that fallen angels are demons. And Paul says, you Gentiles, the word Gentile in the Greek means heathen. It means other nations are non-Jews, those that don't worship the one true God. Let me, now let me bring it down practical. Worship is this, anything that gets your heart's affection and your mind's attention. Worship is anything that gets your heart's affection and your mind's attention. So Jesus comes on the scene a few years before Paul, and he says that man cannot worship God and mammon. Man cannot worship God and money because he will either love one and despise the other. Ask yourself this. What gets your heart's affection and your mind's attention the most? What gets the most play on your social media? What gets the most time when you're at home? What, what, what gets your peace before you go to bed at night? That's one way to identify it too. Man, I don't have enough money. Man, I'm lonely. Man, I'm upset. Man, I'm unfulfilled. What do you harp on the most? What, what, what is your greatest desire? Is it Jesus or is it something in this world that you think is the source of your fulfillment your happiness, your provision, what gets your heart's affection and your mind's attention the most? So Paul says, you Gentiles, God loved you so much that he sent me to Ephesus to give you the good news that everything you need is in Christ. Everything you look for is in Jesus. Every promise, every blessing, everything you'll ever need is found in Jesus Christ. And when you believed, you were saved, and you received that. You received it. I remember when I met Kyra, she had a two-year-old son. And um, at first, it was a challenge for me. I, I liked her, but eventually I, I grew to, after staying with Jaziel and, and keeping him while you were in nursing school, uh, I grew to, uh, to love the kid. 
You know, it took a matter of about six months. It was a real love. Um, but I, I can't say that my friends and my family felt the same way. They never truly voiced this, but you could almost feel, you know, when you step into a room and the environment changes, it's almost like they're talking about you. That was like the general thing that followed me, especially like when I brought Jay-Z home. It's like, that's not, he doesn't look like you. He's not yours. What's going on? I had to come to a place where it was like, and, and, and you will tell anyone your story. When I met you, you had a son, and you, you were here, you were there. You were that person. You will tell this story. I'm trying to drive home a point here because the point is this. God is not ashamed of you. I got to a place where it didn't matter anymore. Who you were with, your past, your mistakes, your struggles, the fact that you had a son that was not biologically mine, I got to a place where I did not care anymore. And the only thing that mattered was me being with you. I wasn't ashamed of you. Your sin didn't matter. Your past didn't matter. Your addictions didn't matter. Your drinking didn't matter. Your smoking didn't matter. Your lies didn't matter. I just wanted to be with you. So Paul says, you Gentiles, <laughs> I loved you so much that I called, I called Paul in Acts chapter 10, and I ordained him. I called him to go to the Gentiles, those people who thought nothing of me. They were focused on other things, and I sent the good news your way. I sent my son your way to down the cross for your sins. And then he says, I was so unashamed of being with you that I sent you my spirit. My spirit. Go back to that verse, verse 13. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. God is not ashamed of you. If I, if I could be very transparent, in which I, I can't really all the way be, I kind of mentioned this last Sunday. Even as a, a pastor, I look in the mirror sometimes and I ask myself, God, why me? What, what made you choose me? What's so special about me? The, the, the things I think, the, the, the things that I, I attempt to turn my mind from and my eyes from and my, my real desires. Like if I have to be honest with you, God, I love you. But there are times where I don't want anything to do with you. I want the things that are temporary more than I want the things that are eternal. And you still choose to draw near to me. What is it about me that's so special? And then the Lord will remind me, it's nothing about you that's so special. It's everything that my son has done for you that makes you special. It's the blood that he shed on the cross that enables me to draw near to you. It's my love for you through my son. God is not ashamed of you, and he's given you his spirit as a sign. You don't have to be perfect for God to love you. 
Ephesus teaches us that you don't even have to pursue God in order for God to pursue you. I'm going to get a little crazy. You can be the jerk of all jerks. You can be the narcissist of all narcissists. And the Lord still loves you. The Bible says this. It is God's will for all men to come into the knowledge of the truth and to be saved. And that he's slow to judge because his desire is that all men and women would repent, turn, and come to him. So he's slow in his judgment. He's slow in his condemnation. So how is this playing out in your life right now? There are areas in your life where you're currently beating yourself over the head, condemning yourself. You're losing it because you think you're not good enough. And that has nothing to do with God. There are some of you in here that you've, you've committed such heinous crimes and heinous acts of sin that you believe that God can never forgive you. But that devil is a lie. God is not ashamed of you, and the good news has come to your doorstep. All it takes is faith, and you can be transformed today. Yeah. Praise God. Oh, no, that's just good. I'm, I, can, I can massage this for two minutes. Look, um, we, we, we live in a world that constantly desires transformation. And um, for, for me, you know, I can make this personal. I don't know about anyone else. For me, when, uh, when, when I finally gave my life to Christ, when I was 19, I understood that every Sunday was a free opportunity to be transformed. I understood that every Sunday was a free opportunity to be set free from the burdens that I carried into church. And, and whenever the preacher started preaching stuff like that, it was hard for me to just... It was so hard, so hard, so hard. Because I knew just how jacked up and how broken and how much I needed Jesus. And man, every Sunday would be a launching pad for victory that entire week. And allow this Sunday to be a launching pad for victory for this entire week. Allow God to minister that to you. His grace and his goodness and his transforming power. Allow it to be a launching pad until you come back next Sunday. Point number three is this. Well, Ephesians 1:14, and we're going to get you on out of here in about five minutes. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. And that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Point number three. If you have believed, you have, you have received the deposit of destiny. You have received the deposit of destiny. The Holy Spirit, third person in the Trinity. God exists in community. It's God the Father, God the Son. God, the Holy Spirit, all equal in power. They have different functions. So when you believe the Holy Spirit makes his home in your heart. 
Okay, that's as simple as that. And so Paul right here is telling the church of Ephesus, when I came, when I was there three years, when you believed, when I laid my hands on you, when I prayed over you, you received all of God on the inside of you. You may not feel like it, that's your fallen flesh, but you have the spirit of God on the inside of you. And Paul calls the Holy Spirit, he says that he is God's guarantee. There are two ways that you can define this. He is God's deposit and he is the Lord's down payment for the inheritance that he has promised to you. The down payment, the down payment of what inheritance? This is our future resurrection and glorification. I'm teaching. Are are we with me? All right. All right. I have a burden for this in this area. I I think that this is this is needed. So our future resurrection, when you pass away, if Jesus doesn't come back before you pass away, you're going to be in the grave. Okay. Whenever he chooses to come back, he's going to come back. Your soul is going to meet the remains of your body. And at that moment, you're going to be glorified. There's nothing, there's, you're going to be perfect. Six pack, eight pack, 10 pack, 12. You ask God for whatever, he'll give it to you. Your hair is always going to be dead. Your nails are going to be done. Your toes are always going to be done. Uh, you won't have to have ingrown hairs, none of that. You're going to be good to go, good to go. Uh, that's the kind of preaching we want to hear right there. My mentor tells me to preach more, but I don't think y'all be learning when I preach. I got to teach. Y'all just want to clap. And so glorification, you never be sick again. That's the inheritance that you received. I remember my grandma, she co-signed on my first car. I had the money to make the down payment, but she made the down payment. She made the down payment for me. And the down payment pretty much seals the deal. You get the car, you can drive off of the lot, but it's not the last payment that you can make. It's not the last payment that you have to make. You have to continue to make the payment. You have to continue to make the investment. So Paul is saying this, you've received the down payment for the inheritance that God has promised to you. And this is where it gets all slippery Monday through Saturday, because we get a little, we get a little something on Sunday, but we forget to invest. We forget to feed we, we don't forget. Some of us, we just don't. We forget to invest. We forget to feed what God has already put on the inside of our hearts throughout the week. You don't have to wait to heaven to experience all of God's power. How have you invested into your soul lately? How, how have you invested into your soul lately? Is it, is it just eat and drink and work and sleep and worry and pay bills and go on this trip, go to this place, go to, how have you taken the time to invest into your soul? How have you fed your faith lately? Greater steps of obedience If this isn't your church, are you faithfully serving at your church? Are you giving? Have you trusted God with your finances? God said you cannot serve money in God. There's a reason why God asked for 10%. It's not for him. It's for the health of your soul. It's for your peace. Prayer. Do we pray? Have we time blocked 
10, 15, 30 minutes for God? Have we said Artemis is in my past? Jesus is my Lord. He is the bread of life. The word is the word of God. And I cannot expect to grow if I am not going to the word. I cannot expect to be filled up if I am not eating on his bread. How about community? Is this the only community that you get on a Sunday? How are you investing into the spirit that God has given you? Stop. Let's stop taking the shots of injection, the shots of just steroid injections of God's infusion, just encouragement and empowerment. And I need it again 15 minutes later and an hour later and two days later. Can you get some consistency in your flow? Can you, come on, come on, come on. We have to do something about the state of our souls. Got to do something. Got to do something. 2 Peter 1.3 says this, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. That's the spirit. We have received all of this by coming to know him. The one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Invest more prayer, fasting. Be good to your employer. Filter out sin. I was reading a scripture last night before bed. I'm trying to make it a, more of a practice. And it was in Isaiah, I think, 58. The prophet said, God restores the courage of those that are repentant. I think a lot of reasons why we're not bold is because we're still holding on to things that we need to turn from so that we can make greater steps of faith. More fulfillment, more power. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We give you all the praise and the honor. Thank you, God, for we are chosen in Christ. Thank you, God, that you have given us the deposit of our destiny. Thank you, Lord, that heaven is home, but we don't have to wait on heaven to experience all that you have for us here. Lord, help us to remember that in order to get over, we have to live under. Help us to remember that you are a God that is not ashamed of us. And Lord, give us the grace to invest into our walks with you. Help us, Lord, to time block, prayer time, Jesus. Help us, Jesus, to get in your word. And when we do get in your word, speak to us, God. Speak to us your will. Give us guidance. Give us peace. And Lord, as we seek community, God, help us to find true friendship within the brethren. Help us, Lord, to grow in our faith with our brothers and sisters. Help us, God, to serve at a greater capacity. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you that we are chosen. We thank you that our past does not matter to you, but only that our present faith would allow you to draw near to us and to live on the inside. It's in Jesus' name, amen.